Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me this morning over to the 10th chapter of Daniel, the prophet Daniel in the Old Testament. We were talking toward the end of my message last Sunday. Uh, we were looking at the 10th chapter of Daniel. And in Daniel 10, verse 12 and 13, really this is the verses we were reading. And it says, then he said to me, and this was an angel of, uh, or some kind of a spirit being, an angel apparently that was talking to Daniel. He said, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. And the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now, to tell you to, uh, who Michael was, if you go over to, in the New Testament, hold your place in, in Daniel because we're going to come right back. Go over to the book of Jude in the New Testament, just before the book of Revelation. In verse 9, it says, Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Here we have Michael identified as an archangel. The word arch or that prefix means supreme or first in its class, top in its class. Michael is an archangel. We know that in the realm of God's angelic host, there are different uh, levels of authority and different uh, uh, areas of, of expertise and things that these different angels are commissioned to do. And Michael is a very powerful angel. It's called an archangel. And his job, as identified in the scriptures, is unique, or not uniquely, but especially, would be a better word. Michael's uh, job or his main focus is especially in the protection of, of God's people. In the Old Testament, Israel, but also in the New Testament, God's still watching over Israel. And then also of the church. There are only two angels that are named in the Bible, Michael here and Gabriel. Those are the only two angels that are named. We assume, though the Bible doesn't tell us, we assume that Gabriel is also an archangel. Like I said, the Bible doesn't identify him like it does Michael. But we assume that he's an archangel, but, but Gabriel is an angel, a high-ranking angel, and his assignment seems to be especially in the area of bringing divine messages, bringing the word of the Lord, bringing revelation and messages to God's people uh, concerning his plan for redemption, his plan for their lives. You remember that it was Gabriel that came and spoke to the Virgin Mary and told her that she would conceive and have a child and so on. And so those two angels uh, are named in Scripture. Now let's go back to the 10th chapter of Daniel. 
And the point that I was making last week when we read this verse of scripture together and looked at it was found in verse number 12. And this angel said to Daniel, do not fear for from the first day you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come for your words or because of your words. This tells us, and it corresponds with the New Testament. We have a verse of scripture in the New Testament in the first epistle of John, the fifth chapter, says that if we know that, if we, if we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. Well, isn't that what this said? From the very first day that you set your, that you set your heart to understand and to discipline yourself, submit yourself. In other words, Daniel was praying a prayer of consecration, dedication, submitting himself to the Lord. And he was also praying because he had questions about some of the things that, that he had already seen and, and uh, what the will of God was and, and what God was trying to say to him. So he had some information he was seeking. And according to 1 John, if we ask anything according to God's will, he hears us. Well, it said right there, your words were heard from the very first day. And 1 John also, also says, excuse me, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. And that's what this angel told Daniel. He said, the very first day you prayed, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But then he introduced uh, uh, some more information. He said, but I was hindered for 21 days by the prince of Persia. And the answer was delayed in coming to Daniel, but it wasn't delayed in being sent to Daniel. And the message for us as believers is, is simply this. Whenever you pray, if, it's, if you pray according to God's word, God always responds right then. And the answer is on its way. Now, things can hinder. We'll talk about this Prince of Persia in a few minutes. But there are things that can hinder the the answer coming into manifestation. You say, well, if God sent it, then nothing can stop it. Well, that's not really true because we see something stopped it here. It didn't stop it permanently, but it did delay it 21 days. For instance, when you're praying about something, if you, you know, it, anything that God brings to you that you pray for, unless it's just a spiritual blessing in your life that, that already belongs to you, all you have to do is act on it, if it's something in the, that has to come into the material realm, well, it has to do just that. It has to come into the material, natural realm. And Satan, we know from the scriptures that Satan is the God of this world. Isn't that right? Of this earthly realm. And he, he and his evil spirits still have the ability to uh, affect things in this world. God's angels go out and influence people for good. Well, the devil and his angels and evil spirits and so forth, they attempt to influence people for evil. Let's say you're, you're, you have a financial need and you need more money. You're not meeting your budget. Month after month, you're going further and further behind and you say, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm working hard. I'm doing all that I know to do. I'm... I'm disciplining myself not to spend, you know, money that I don't uh, have to spend. But Lord, I'm just falling short. My family, we're not able to, to, to live in the kind of house that we know you have for us or that you will for us. You know, we're not, 
we're not, you know, the Bible says if you're, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. You might look around and say, Lord, uh, I'm not eating the good. I'm not driving the good. I'm not wearing the good. And, and I know there's more for me. So you start asking God, I want to bring, I want you to bring increase into my life financially. That's a good and scriptural prayer. It's not praying selfishly because God wants you to have those things. Now, like Pastor Greg said this morning, it, God wants, you, he, he wants your heart in his hands. In other words, he doesn't want your, your heart to be in your things. He wants your heart to be in God. But once you get that settled, you can, you can ask God for things and it's his will to give you those things. It's my will, First John said, that you prosper in all things and be in health. So it's, it's scriptural to pray for more money, for God to pre- bless you and prosper you, as long as your heart is right toward God and, and money's, you're not worshiping money, you're not, you're not, uh, money's not your God. You can ask and God will, God, God always responds. As soon as you ask, he responds. But you know, God doesn't give you a word of wisdom and say, now go out you know, into Columbia County and go down a certain highway and turn off this dirt road and go 100 yards into the woods this way and then follow your compass and go over here and then you'll find a, a pot of gold or, or a, a wad of, of $100 bills. You'll find $10,000. God doesn't send money down. If he did, he'd be a counterfeiter and God's not printing counterfeit money. So that's not the way God works. Now, I suppose if you lived out west somewhere, he could tell you someplace to go to dig for gold, but that's probably not likely in Florida. But what I'm saying is things that, that have to come into the natural realm, you realize they have to come through other people. And, and God can bless you any number of ways. He can impress someone here this morning to come up to your hand and give you a really good Pentecostal handshake. You know, have you ever had that happen? Somebody give you that good old Pentecostal handshake and you pull your hand away and there's a $100 bill in there and you say, well, glory to God. God can inspire somebody to do that. But you do realize the person that he speaks to has to be willing to do it. You say, well, you know, God can make, I mean, I prayed and God's gonna do it. Yeah, but God still has to work through people. And just like you say, well, who, who would do that? Who would withhold that? If God, if, if God moved on Brother Steve to give me $100 and I knew that and, and I knew he was holding out, I'd think, man, what's wrong with you? But then I would probably be reminded of another time maybe that the Lord impressed me to give somebody something. Are you listening to it? Uh, how many times have you been somewhere and you felt impressed to do something for somebody? They give them $100 or pay for their dinner or buy them groceries. And, and, you, and you thought, I don't want to do it. I don't have enough money. I can't do it. And you talked yourself out of it and you went your way. And on the inside, you know, I just disobeyed God. The opportunity's gone. Well, God's going to have to find somebody else. Would that delay? Could, could Brother Steve delay my blessing? <laughs> He could, but God will find somebody else. So he can, he, can, he can bless you through your job. But you think having to do with Brother Steve is hard. If you think that's a big hindrance, getting through Brother Steve. You know, if he's gonna bless you through, through your job, he might have to, have to go through 10 people. 
So it, it, in this natural realm, there are things that can hinder. That doesn't mean that the answer that God didn't hear you and he didn't grant you the thing you requested. Now, we had this stupid saying when I was growing up in our church, and I think it was a standard in Pentecostal churches. I don't think it was just our church. But we had this old saying that, that went like this. You've heard it before. God always answers prayers. God always answers prayer. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. And sometimes he says wait a while. That is wrong. That is incorrect. It is stupid. It is nothing in the world but man's human effort to rationalize and, and give some kind of excuse for unanswered prayer, what they believe is unanswered prayer. It didn't come to pass. See, if you're believing God for something, anything in the, in the natural realm, you, got, you, you have to understand that it might take some time. And faith stands resolute the entire time. Just thanks God for the answer. Oh, thank you, Lord. I've got it. I've got it. I thank you for it. Now, you don't spend it before you receive it in your hand. You understand? But you don't write faith checks. <laughs> Pastor friend of mine told me that, that uh, he had a guest speaker in his church one time and this lady in, in, his, in, in this pastor's church put a big, two big checks in the offering. That, that morning where, the, where this guest minister was speaking and after the service, they were in the back and, and the pastor said to the, to the traveling ministry, he said, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. He said, the good news is you and I each received a check for $100,000 today in the offering. The traveling minister said, whoa, great, what's the bad news? He said, the bad news is you're not getting yours until I get mine. <laughs> Both checks bounced. And this pastor knew they were going to bounce because of the person who wrote it. So, so what I'm saying is you can't write faith checks. Amen. But you do stand strong. Some people will, some people will stand strong for two or three days. Some people, will, some people will be talking themselves out of their answer before they get out of the parking lot. Others will stand two or three days. What would have happened to Daniel if after 20 days he'd have thought, you know, this is, I'm getting tired of this. I've been, you know, I sought God and he's not answering me. I'm not hearing anything. I, you know, it's like the, the heavens are, are, are closed and, you know, I'm just wasting my time and just pulled back on that. You think the answer would have come? No, it wouldn't have because God responds to faith. Amen. But what I was saying last week is the, the enemy can bring pressure in the natural realm to influence people and to influence natural events to hinder you receiving what you've asked from the Lord. But always remember from the day that you prayed, I would say from the moment you pray, if you believe God, if you ask in faith, the answer is sent. The money is sent, the healing is sent, the wisdom is sent, what the direction, whatever it is you need, it's on its way. Amen. God has dispatched it and you need to stand strong until the, the thing is made manifest in your life. Amen. But this brought up to me last week uh, uh, a topic that I thought I would take some time to go into a little more detail about. And you'll notice who hindered this. This angel said that the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days and behold, Michael that is an archangel, he described him here as one of the chief princes. 
Now that kind of, to me, suggests that he's not the only archangel. There are evidently other archangels, but we really don't know that. He said, one of the chief princes, Michael, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. There's a little bit of dispute among commentators about the wording of the last part of that verse, and it seems that, that perhaps the best translation of, of that very last clause there was that I was left with the kings of Persia. In other words, the prince of Persia, and I talked about this last week and I'll explain more in a few minutes. The prince of the kingdom of Persia was a, was a uh, fallen angel or some type of a spirit being. We know that it had to have been uh, a, a, a wicked spirit or, or an evil spirit because it was this spirit, this prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding the answer coming to Daniel. He was standing in opposition to the will of God and opposing the angel that was sent to, to bring this revelation to Daniel. So we know it wasn't a, a good angel or a good spirit being that was opposing, opposing him. And it said then that, that for 21 days, this battle went on, this, this uh, wrestling in the realm of the spirit. And it said then that, that uh, Michael, one of the chief princes, was sent to help this other angel. And then when that happened, he said, I was left alone with the kings of Persia. Notice he talks about the prince of Persia and the kings of Persia. The prince of Persia, as we will discover as we go into this a little more detail in just a second now, we will understand that the prince of the kingdom of Persia was not a human being. It was not a natural prince. It was not a natural human earthly ruler because notice there was something going on in the heavenly realm. And how could a natural human earthly ruler withstand this angel bringing this message to Daniel? It couldn't have happened. It had to have been something over in the spirit realm. And then the prince of the kingdom of Persia is one wicked spirit. And then it talks about the kings of Persia. And so this tells us that this angel that was sent to Daniel was in a conflict with this other spirit being, the prince of Persia. But when Michael came and occupied that prince of the, of the kingdom of Persia, that released this angel to then influence the kings, plural, because there was a succession of kings over the kingdom of Persia. And you, you read all about this in the book of Daniel. Darius was the first one, Cyrus, uh, several other kings of, of Persia. And then after that came the kingdom of Greece. If, go, if you drop down for uh, just a few minutes uh, or a few verses, notice what it says, verse 20. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed the prince of Greece will come. Now he goes on in the first part of the next verse to talk about four other kings that would come. So we're talking about earthly kings being influenced by this prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now to substantiate that, if, if, if you're a little cloudy on that, well, let's go back and lay some foundation for you. Amen? Go back to Revelation chapter 
uh, 12. Well, this will just give us more insight about the origin of things. Go back to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation 12, verse number 7. Verse 7, starting in verse 7, reading down through verse 8, it says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. Now, can, can I have you hold your place there and go back to Daniel for a minute? There's something I want you to see to substantiate something I've already said. Go back to Daniel chapter, instead of chapter 10, go to chapter 12. Daniel 12. Daniel 12 and verse 1 is a prophecy of the end time, the tribulation period that Israel would, uh, would involve Israel and the people of this earth after the church is called away. Notice it says in verse 1, at that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people and there shall be a time of trouble and so forth. It's talking about the tribulation period. Notice that Michael is described as a great prince who will stand up, and this prince, this is, this is why I say that it seems that Michael is especially assigned to defending the people of God. And uh, you could say it like this, that, that Michael is a warring angel. Gabriel is more of a communication angel. They're both very powerful, glorious, highly exalted uh, spirit creatures far above ordinary angels but one is involved more in a military sense defending God's people so let's go back to Revelation 12 again it says that war broke out in heaven Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his and that's the devil you know and the dragon and his angels fought but they did not prevail nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer so the great drag, dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, and he was cast out to the earth, and his angels, notice his angels, the devil is, is the Bible, we'll read this in a few minutes, the, the Bible describes Lucifer, he was called Lucifer at first, and Satan later, and Lucifer was originally a cherub, which is a, another class of of angelic type creatures. And uh, Lucifer had in his charge other angels under him. And so when he fought, whenever he tried to rebel against God, uh, Michael, the archangel, came and fought against him and Lucifer or the devil or Satan was cast out of his place in heaven. He was cast down to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Go back over to verse number four in this same chapter. His tail, tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the Well, let's go back and read verse one so we get this whole sense of this chapter. Now, a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun. Now, this woman was the nation of Israel. In this, in this prophetic uh, vision. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor in pain to give birth. And another sign 
appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven. Those were those angels. And threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as he was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was called up to God and to his throne. We won't go any further there. I wanted you to focus on verse number four. This is another picture of when, when Lucifer or Satan fell. It says his angels fell with him. It describes here that a third of the angels of heaven, it's called the stars here, but those were the angels, a third of God's uh, heavenly hosts was deceived in the rebellion of Lucifer and, were, and fell with him. So Satan has an enormous angelic host. When you think about how many billions and billions, we really don't know how many angels. The, the scriptures talk about, the, the scriptures uh, describe the numbers of the angels in a term that, that indicates that they're innumerable, that you can't even count them. Well, a, a, and, and I don't know if that's before this third fell or includes this third, but it doesn't matter. A third of the angels of heaven will be a lot of angels. Well, uh, are they still around? Yes, they are. Now, we know we talked about this a few weeks ago that, that there were certain angels uh, during the day of Noah that were bound and put into a, a special place called Tartarus, a special uh, prison because of what they did during the days of Noah. We're not going to get into that this morning. We talked about that a few weeks ago. But the rest of these angels are still under Satan's command. Okay? Well, now go with me over to Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14. Are you following me this morning? Isaiah 14, and let's look at verse number 12. Now, this is an account, an Old Testament account of the fall of Lucifer, which we've just read about in the book of Revelation. In Isaiah 14, verse number 12, it says, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Stars being probably the angels of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Now go with me over to Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, and go to the 28th chapter. Ezekiel 28. We have more information about the nature of Lucifer. In verse number 11 it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now, this, looks, this sounds like it's talking about an earthly king, but as we see, as we read the next few words, it couldn't possibly be talking about a human being. It couldn't be possibly talking about 
uh, a king that presided in, in Tyre because of what he said. He said, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Well, the king of Tyre during Ezekiel's day hadn't even been born. He, hadn't, he wasn't around during the, the days of Eden, isn't that right? So he's talking about somebody, it's not, he, he's, he, he's described as the king of Tyre, but he's not talking about a human being. It says, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord, you were the seal of perfection. You were full of wisdom and perfect in, your, in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz, the diamond, the beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed, now here we, we, we get the full picture. You were the anointed cherub. So that's not talking about a man. You were the anointed cherub who covers I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. And we'll stop right there. This is talking about Lucifer in his original state. This is how God created Lucifer. And, and this parallels what we read over in Isaiah a few minutes ago in the 14th chapter where it came into Lucifer's heart to exalt himself above the throne of God. Evidently, Lucifer and, uh, and these other angels that fell were created with uh, something that we as humans hold very dear and precious, and that is the right of free will. They evidently had the right to choose which way they would go. Because iniquity was found in his heart. God didn't create him with iniquity, but he decided to turn and, and exalt himself before God, above God. He got lifted up in pride. And he said, I'm going to be like the most high. I'm going to exalt my throne above the throne of God. And so this tells us about him. It says in verse 14, you were the anointed cherub who covers I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. Verse 15, you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Uh, actually, I wanted to read the latter part of verse number 13. The workmanship of your, of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. Evidently, Lucifer uh, was someone involved in worship and in music. Notice the, the references to timbrel and pipes. Evidently, people have conjectured, and it could be true, we don't really know, that possibly Lucifer led worship in heaven, that he was the chief musician and led in the worship of God. We definitely see that there's something having to do with music. Have you ever noticed how the devil uses music today? Music, good Christian music, enhances this move of the Spirit. Wicked music enhances wicked things. Enhances, it brings the devil on the scene. That's why we should be very, very careful about what kind of music we listen to. Because a lot of music out there, and, you, and if you've mis listened to music very much, secular music, you're aware of this. When you listen to certain music, it pulls you away from God. 
it, 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 it interferes with your fellowship with God. It starts taking you in a wrong direction. Well, that's because it's an area where the devil uh, uh, was, was created to be involved in. He has influence in this area. Now, Pastor Angela this morning, I almost started laughing. She said, you know, let you sing. The devil needs to hear you sing. She said, if you can't sing good, it doesn't matter. I think it's great if you can't sing good because he knows how to sing. <laughs> I, I'm inclined to think that, that Lucifer has perfect pitch and it probably grates on him <laughs> to hear some of you sing. <laughs> so if you can't sing, just open your mouth and just bellow it out. And just sing the praises of God as off key as you can. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Let's go on. Hallelujah. Go with me to Luke chapter 10. No way is it noon. I've only been up here 30, about 35 minutes. Luke 10. I've got to get to this quicker. We need, to, we need to have a little less fellowship time in, but after praise and worship. Let's, let's start. Shake hands quick and get back to your seats. Luke chapter 10. Verse 17, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your, in, in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Let me wrap this up by saying this morning, Lucifer fell. Satan is a fallen creature. He has angels that work in the earth, and he has other spirit beings besides angels, demons, different kinds, different categories of spiritual beings that work at his behest. We have authority over all of them. I said, we have authority in the name of Jesus over all of them. And God expects us to exercise our authority. When we exercise our authority, then that releases God's angels to do their job. They're not gonna do their job unless we do our job. If we, I'll get ahead of myself just a little bit so we get into the next, uh, to the next message. If we want God's angels and, and spiritual beings in the heavenly realms to influence our nation and our leaders, we have to do our job of praying for them, taking our place in authority, binding and loosing, binding evil spirits, loosing uh, uh, God's angels say you have to loose God. Jesus is the one who said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. He wasn't talking about heaven where God's throne is. He was talking about the heavens where these evil spirits operate. Because you think about it, there's nothing in heaven that's bound that needs to be loosed. And there's nothing in heaven that's loosed that needs to be bound. So why would we bind something on earth and God bind it in heaven? It, like I said, there's nothing up there that needs to be bound. I'm talking about in God's heaven. It's talking about the heavens where these evil spirits operate. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So until the church takes its place where our nation is concerned, 
That's really what I'm talking about this morning. This is where we're going with this. Until the church takes its place where our nation is concerned in prayer and in exercising authority, binding the work of the enemy, loosing the work of God, these angels and, and, and uh, heavenly hosts that are at God's command are idle until we act. When we act, they act. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. It's the truth. We have authority. We are not ordinary people. I said we are not ordinary people. We are not natural, just natural men and women. We have, each one of us have experienced a supernatural rebirth. We have become a new creation in Christ. Every single born-again Christian is a supernatural being. Now, we live, excuse me, in natural body, in our natural temperament, all of the things that, you know, that, that involve the natural realm, those things all affect us. They still affect us. But we have the authority in Christ to exercise dominion uh, uh, above those things. In other words, in, in spite of the limitations of the flesh, we have authority in Christ to exercise authority, to exercise dominion, and to be involved in the supernatural realm, the realm of the spirit, the realm of God, because that's where we were recreated. We were recreated, our spirits were recreated in union with Christ and we're, we're seated together with him in heaven's heaven right now along with the Lord Jesus Christ at the throne of God. Now that's where we are positionally. Well, it's time for the church to recognize that, that we're not just natural people. We, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't go through our life thinking like everybody else around us, just, just thinking about the world on natural terms, thinking naturally, acting naturally. We need to think spiritually, understand what our assignments are, understand where our authority is, understand what's been given to us, what our giftings are, what God has endowed us with, what he has placed in our lives, and start using these things. Then and only then will our nation experience the revival and the move of God that I believe is destined yet for this nation. Only then will things in the, in the political arena straighten up fully. We'll talk about this as we go into it. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.